Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Pastor Bob Claycamp. I'm one of the assistant pastors here. And I'm going to be leading you in the study in Luke chapter 18. So if you would turn to Luke chapter 18, we'll begin with a word of prayer and then we'll launch into our text tonight. Luke chapter 18. I'm just going to read through the eight verses, verses one through eight, and then we'll start with a word of prayer. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city And she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Father God, we present this text to you, and we're asking that you administer to us. We thank you, God, that You know all things, and you understand all things, and we only know in part. But we pray, God, that you'd use this section to stir our hearts because of the days we're living in right now. And may you breathe on this text and speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, back in February, which seems like a long time ago, but it was just about a month ago, over in um, February 9th, I did the first part of a study, because this really is a little mini-series, part one, part two. And last February, it was part one, and we studied chapter 11 of Luke's Gospel. And in that, we looked at the section where the disciples came to Jesus, and they wanted him to teach them how to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. And there were a few of the disciples that had spent some time with John the Baptist, and so we know there was a bit of a connection. And, and yet, the disciples being with Jesus, it was different. There was something about being with Jesus and listening to him pray and seeing the effect that was something that, that they hadn't experienced before. And, I mean, what can you say? It's God incarnate, you know, right there with you. There's got to be a difference involved with that. 
And so they wanted to ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. But what he said to them was interesting because he wasn't giving them a form. He was trying to impart to them heart. Because the very next thing he says is what we sometimes call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer of the Lord. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. I had to memorize that when I was like six years old. That was what was required in our church. So I still remember it. There you go. I'm only like 25 now, so it wasn't that far. <laughs> but you know, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's all about God and not so much about us. And we talked about this last February, where the first part is God's person. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then God's purpose, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then God's provision, give us this day our daily bread, which is, which is really in effect saying, God, I'm going to be satisfied with whatever it is you give us today. It's not just about food. It's not just about the manna coming down today. It's about everything in my life. If it's your will and it's your kingdom because of who you are, I am going to be satisfied with today's portion. Kind of like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because I trust him. So God's person, God's purpose, God's provision, and then God's pardon. Forgive us our trespasses. And then God's prerequisite, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Talking about sin. And then God's protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And as Matthew includes in his gospel, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, which is God's praise. So there's seven Ps, you know, but it, it all has to do with God. Not so much about, I've got to... I've got to say this prayer a number of times to really unlock the magic. That's just not Jesus' heart at all. It's not what the context reveals. And then he goes in, and this is a review from, from last month, but then he goes in and he encourages them to continue asking, continue seeking, continue knocking. Don't stop. Persevere. And then he goes and gives a little parable. It says, what father is among you that if a son asks bread, will he give him a rock and, and mock him? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a serpent, you know, to endanger him? And then he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, he says, how much more will the father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And it's, it almost seems like a random conclusion. But in reality, it's the Holy Spirit who gives you what you need at that hour. And as you're praying for this particular situation or that situation, we need the perspective 
that only comes from the Holy Spirit. What is God doing in the midst of this? Sometimes the delay is because of the need of our heart. Our heart isn't quite right. The motives aren't quite right. And so the Lord withholds the answer. And it's not that he's not interested or not caring. He's very caring. But there's got to be an understanding that he wants, he wants our heart right first. God is more concerned with our character development than our creature comforts because he's preparing us for heaven. I'm not being prepared for retirement. I kind of push that away. I'm being prepared for heaven. And so sometimes it's interesting to watch what happens when the answers don't come, how more desperate we get as the time unfolds. And God is just working on our hearts, trying to get us to really be broken before him and just say, do you really mean thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and not my will be done? Um, are you praying, my kingdom come, my will be done? You know, sometimes that's part of the heart. And so the delay comes as not God's disinterest, but God's concern that the heart is right. And so as you read through the Gospel of Luke, you come to chapter 18, after chapter 11, and all of a sudden here's this, this next encouragement about persevering. But I want you to notice that the context of this particular text is different because it's not a context of teach us how to pray regarding our needs, but it's teach us how to pray when things are difficult and unjust and where I'm being persecuted for being a Christian. Because the second half of chapter 17 is all about enduring persecution for the believer. And then it's right after that, because there were no chapters when it was written. Right after that, Jesus says, then he spoke a parable to them. He initiates this, not the disciples. That men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Don't give up. And so this is why we call it part two. But it's in times of injustice. There are times when things are difficult and you've been treated wrongly. There are times when you've been persecuted by family and friends or even employers because of the gospel. I remember my first job working in a fiberglass factory and um, I was... 18, just got married, uh, working in this fiberglass factory in town. And um, the lady I was working with one day said, you know what, um, uh, um, I, I heard you're religious. And I said, I'm not religious, I'm a Christian. And I'm just, because I just had gotten saved about six months before. I'm a, I'm a born again Christian. And I started witnessing to her about Christ and about the gospel. Well, I get called into the office because she complained to the owner. And so um, he, he brings me up to the office and, and um, I can tell I'm in trouble. And, and so he says, you know, Bob, religion is one thing, but you need to keep it outside this warehouse. 
You know, I work hard to provide for my wife. If she wants a mink coat, you know, I, I'll get her a mink coat. I'll work hard and get that. And he was all about things. And at the time, I had just come out of a hippie lifestyle. I'm going, I have no interest in a mink coat, you know. And, and so the, the more he threatened me, because of my little rebellion going on at the time, still there, I, it was like, fine, fine, I'm gone, I'm out of here. And then, you know, I, I took off my, what they call a monkey suit, which is, you know, one piece, but I had so much fiberglass resin and you could just stand it up in the closet. And so I, I took off my monkey suit and, and took off. And then on the way home, I'm thinking, I just quit my job. What am I going to do? And, and, and the Lord from that point said, listen, I know that I know your heart. I know what you were trying to do, but it's, you need to get used to it because it will probably happen quite often. And I'll take care of you. And at that point, from that point, we ended up joining a youth ministry and that launched us in, into the next eight years involved with a, a youth ministry working with kids on the street. I want to tell you that if you're going to desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution for your faith. The key word is godly. A lot of people say they're Christians, but they don't want to live godly. But discipleship involves living godly. What does godly look like? Godly is, I, I want to live my life to be a, a, a pleasing thing to God and not an offense to God. I don't want to make the heart of God sad because you can grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. And so it's ordering my life according to what the Word of God says that are God's priorities. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And Jesus says here, he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart because sometimes when things happen to us in our life that are not right, unjust, it's, you know, we're being persecuted. I remember talking to a fellow that got written out of his mother's will because he came to Christ. And, and it's like, wow, how can you do that, mom? And it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to have some fanatic, you know, getting rid of, taking my stuff. And, and it's just so unfair. And here's what can happen. As things are more and more unfair, you can get angry. It's not right. And that anger the enemy uses to harden your heart against people you're supposed to love. And there's a danger there of Satan winning on two fronts. On the first front, that injustice or the oppression that was done. But the second front is locking up your heart and putting you in jail. Emotionally, spiritually, and taking you out of the fight. Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, because iniquity shall abound in the last days, the heart of the love of many will grow cold. And the word love there in Matthew 24 is the word agape, which is a love that only God gives. And so he's talking to believers. Is it true that I can be so upset 
over the iniquity and the and the evil and the injustice that's going on in the world around me that I can become so angry that I can hate people? And the answer is absolutely. And that's not the heart of God because he sees what's going on, yet he still loves into the middle of it. He loved you. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you when you were sinning. He still loves you when you fail. And he wants me to be filled with his love and to reflect to the world what the Father is like. And so he gives them this word picture here in verse uh, 1 through 5. He used this parable to carry the concept of persistence in petition when under attack from an adversary. It's a parable. Now, there's, there's something you need to understand about parables. For a parable to be true and effective, it has to be true to life in the day that it was spoken. You've heard it said that a picture is worth 10,000 words. And so Jesus initiated this parable. It was indeed true to life in the Roman world. He says, now there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man, completely uncaring about any um, accountability at all to God or to man. And he wants to to create this parable to carry across across the concept that persistence is what you have to do because even in the world, persistence will get you some measure of justice. But then he takes that concept and brings it over to the kingdom of heaven. And so in this parable, you've got a judge who is called unjust, the unjust judge. Then you have a widow in that city, verse 3. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. That's what the word avenge me uh, means in this context. It doesn't mean kill him. You know, it means get me justice. Let things be sorted out. Things are so unfair. Things are so wrong. Sort this out, judge. And then it says he would not for a while. He could care less. She was a bother. She was a widow. In those days, a widow had nothing to offer. She had no resources to to even pay him or to even bribe him. She was not a person of influence in the city. She had nothing to offer. And that's an important part of it. But it was true to life in the Roman Empire. You, you had self-focused, ungodly officials, officials who only, whose only law was the law of self-advantage. And even among the Israelites, when you read the book of the prophets and you read the, the sins that were going on in the places of responsibility, it was just the same. All they cared about was themselves, self-advantage, self-focus. And unfortunately, today, we have the same issues because the heart of man is the same. Some of you may have been brought before judges that absolutely ignored the facts of the case. 
And you suffered as a result. It's, it was unjust. It was not fair. It, it, it was, what's going on here? It doesn't make sense. But this widow is important because she would not take no for an answer. And she kept pressing and coming to him and pressing and bugging him and continually <laughs> saying, get me justice, get me justice, get me justice. And so the judge finally got frustrated. In verse 4 it says, he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her or get her justice, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. It's interesting that in the parable, he's not trying to take every single little nuance of the parable and interpret it, but he wants us to understand the main point. And by the way, that's an important principles when you um, approach parables. Uh, it's easy to get distracted with all the side things because they really fell into it in the second century with all kinds of fanciful interpretations of parables. But Jesus wants us to catch the, the, the main purpose, the main heart of the parable. Because if you lose that, you've lost the plot. You, you, you just missed the whole point of the parable. Hear what the unjust judge says. Some of you right now, I can only imagine... You're going through things that just, it doesn't make sense. Some of you listening online, you're sitting on your couch, you're going through a situation where you've been accused of things you did not do, or your employer is ready to fire you over things that just don't make sense, and, 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 and it, it doesn't, you can't figure it out. And the more you try to think of it and, and, and process it, 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 still, it, it still doesn't make sense. And you go, God, where are you? Why aren't you stepping in? What's going on? I thought you covered me. I thought you're my protector. I thought you're my provider. But when things go into that category, you've got to put the brakes on and you've got to back up and you've got to remember what the Bible tells us who God is. Is he still good? Is he still faithful? Does he still love me? Does he care about my everyday issues? If the answer is yes, and it is, then how do I connect? How do I put together what's going on circumstantially, which seems so unfair? And the answer is, keep going forward and focusing on who God is because he's working in ways he's not telling you. And he's under no obligation to tell you. You just need to trust him that he's good. 
Hear what the unjust judge says. Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Sometimes the Lord holds back the answer to do a work in our heart. How were the disciples to endure persecution? How were they to endure their whole life being tortured in prison until the day they die? When the Lord didn't come and deliver them out of the prison, when they suffered and they ended up dying in prison, was God unfaithful? When Jesus says he will answer them speedily, I want to suggest to you something. We look at resolution as the resolve of the conflict. God's work is to change our heart first in the midst of it. I remember Corey Ten Boom and her story with, um, called The Hiding Place. And here, um, her sister and her ended up being taken into a concentration camp for hiding Jews in their house there in uh, the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. And um, the evil that was going on in the concentration camp just so embittered Corey Ten Boom that you could just, you could just hear the, the anger and the unforgiveness and the hatred in her heart. And yet her sister, her heart was continually soft. And even when they got lice, in the, in the women's thing, and going, how can this be a blessing? Well, the blessing is the guards don't want to come in because we have lice, so they had a chance to, to minister to the other ladies the gospel. It's all about perspective. What's God doing in the midst of it? Jesus clearly said to us, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who do evil to you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, so that you might be children of my Father in heaven. For he sends his rain on the just and the unjust, and he causes his sun to shine on the just and the unjust. It is so hard to change when you are so full of anger. Even though what you're seeing is, is rightly unjust. But how do I keep my heart from getting leavened out? I have to pray. I have to bless. I have to do good. I have to keep my eyes on him, on the Lord. God wants to change my heart and use that situation to teach me something new about him and me. Jesus is very clear here when he says, Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? It's right to go to the Lord with the issues that are not right and unfair. It's who we should go to at all times. 
And yet we think because he hasn't acted, he's not being fair. Those thoughts can come right in. But the, but the truth of the matter is, he's working, first of all, in my heart. Because at the end, all things will be sorted. He will be just. Nothing gets by him. Though he bears long with them. Why would he wait? Remember Paul the Apostle in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, he said, I pleaded with the Lord three times about this thorn in the flesh. And the word thorn isn't like some nettle. It, it, it's a stake. I'm not talking about beef either. I'm talking about a stake. A stake in his flesh. Lord, please remove this from me. Three times. Here's the Apostle Paul, like man of faith. Look at all they went through in chapter 11. And then there, he just came to the end of himself. And then the Lord spoke and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is brought to completion in your weakness. We don't like to be weak. We want answers. We want resolution. We want it now because we're Americans and we do things fast like the microwave. But there are times that things don't get resolved in your lifetime. Some of you are praying for your wayward kids. And it seems that the more you pray, the further away they get. But having done so many funerals in my ministry, I have watched God use the funeral service of that parent who prayed long and affect the child in a way that nothing else could. Are you willing for the sake of eternity for your child to let your funeral be that last drop in the bucket that causes the water to spill over? And so often we say, no, I want it my way. I want to see it. Well, you'll see it when you get to heaven. I know it's a hard word, and it's painful. Oh, my gosh. I remember one family situation where uh, one of the children just took off and, and did crazy things, destructive things, ruined the family name. And the mom got so angry that later on, years later, when the daughter repented, and wanted to reconcile with her mom. Her mom wanted nothing to do with it. She had so hardened her heart and not allowed the Holy Spirit to keep it soft and ready and being in a position of forgiveness that it completely blocked that relationship that God wanted to restore. How can that happen? It happens little by little. And, and you're, you're not dealing with what's going on in your heart. Man, I've watched it in my own life. <laughs> I had a situation where a fella in, the, in, in Phoenix when I was pastoring there got really upset with me. And he started sending me emails, voicemails, text messages, 
constant barrage accusing me of being Satan, accusing me of, of not, you know, being a believer, and you're a false prophet, and I mean, constantly, so much so, I had to put a, a restraining order against him, because he'd come around the church and do all this, put flyers on all the windshields, and, and, and I'm thinking, what's happening here? And so I put a court order on him saying, look, you, you can't be doing this. And he wouldn't listen to me at all. I was just Satan incarnate. And, you know, that just like, come on, man. You know, you just go, let's go out in the back. Okay, yeah, that, that'll really settle everything. I'm not a boxer. I'll just get flattened. I'm thinking, how can I, how can I see this? Lord, it's not fair. He said, then the Lord would just keep saying, let me handle it, Bob. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And then just when I'd get that grace bubble, then I'd get like four or five other voicemails. And I'm just going, dude, for 10 years when I was over in England, constant, and, I, and I'd, I'd block him, I'd change, you know, <laughs> do everything I could. But he had this way of like wiggling around and, and getting through to me. And Satan was using him to distract me from what God put in front of me. And um, so we moved back to, to Colorado two and a half years ago. And last year I get a call. <laughs> a, a call from one of his friends that says, um, you know this guy? And I said, yeah. He says, well, he's dead. He just, um, he had dinner, he laid on his couch, and then he fell off and died. I'm going, Whoa. Lord, I don't think I ever asked for that, but, and, and everything stopped. But it was a season, and I know what it feels like. How do you find a release when the anger builds up over things that are unjust? You've got to keep going to the Lord, not just asking for resolution, but asking that your heart would stay soft and loving because Jesus said, love your enemies. I can't manufacture God's love. God, you're going to have to pour your love into my life because I cannot produce what you're asking for. And that's really the first step. Stop trying to produce God's love in your life and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that his love will be in your life and you'll be able to love into the situation even loving your enemies, and ask God to give you perspective because the Holy Spirit does that. He gives us perspective because what you're seeing are symptoms and not the core issues. Why are they so antagonistic to the gospel? That's a symptom. What's the core issue? That person that's so against you that just doesn't want to hear the gospel from your mouth at all. What's the core issue? What has happened in their life to make them that way? I mean, they didn't come out of the womb saying, I hate God, you know? They didn't. You know, there was events of life and things that the enemy was putting to stumble them. What happened? Ask God to give you a perspective. Help him, help, uh, ask the Lord to help you see the difference between symptom and core issues. Because that was you before you knew the Lord. 
You are that way. So, keep going to the Lord. Don't give up. That's his whole emphasis in here. I will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, and I'm going to close with this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, his second coming, will he really find faith on the earth? Do you know what that implies? It implies that not everybody is going to let their hearts be healed. Because let me tell you something. Anger and hatred crush faith. If you are here tonight or you're listening online and, and there, when you think of that person or that situation, your blood pressure goes like crazy. It's a sign, it's a, like a light on the dashboard that you're low on oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit. And it's a, God wants to use it to remind you, saying, listen, you cannot bear this yourself. Come to me, bring it to me, let it go, and get your hands off of it. And you're going to have to do it again and again and again and again as God seeks to soften that heart. You know, to break a, to break a big granite boulder, you have to hit it again and again and again in the exact same spot until hairline cracks start occurring in that granite boulder. You just can't hit it once or twice. You've got to regularly hit it with that sledgehammer again and again and again, almost relentlessly. But every blow has a reverberation in that rock. And you're looking for hairline cracks. And, and may the Holy Spirit continually hammer our hard hearts to, to break us, to open us up so that we can be fruitful to the Lord. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns and comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I want to finish well. I don't want to be a statistic because I didn't care for the issues of my heart. The teaching in Luke 11 had to do with persistence. The teaching here in Luke 18 has to do with persistence, but the contexts are different. If you find yourself in a situation where you just are so hurt over what happened, this is where you have to take that hurt to the Lord and ask for his healing touch but you have to obey his command to love, to bless, to do good, and to pray for. Because if you don't do those things, you will never heal. I am personal. I'm a personal um, example of that with the things that have happened in my life. And it, it has not occurred overnight. It, it took sometimes um, weeks, weeks and weeks 
but the Lord was faithful. And I'm here to tell you the Lord will be faithful. It doesn't mean that you'll become the best friend of your oppressor. It just means that your heart needs to be set free. Because you may never change the oppression that comes your way. But I can sure ask the Lord to change me, and it will make all the difference. Father in heaven, we're asking that you would use this parable and this text here to communicate to us your heart for us. You see injustice. You know the, the symptoms and you know the core issues and it, it grieves your heart over the evil that takes place. Your word says you're angry with the wicked every day. But Lord, you see through that and you know what needs to be done. You are the hope. So God, help us to stay in the game and not be disqualified because of a heart that's been hardened through sin. We pray for our oppressors. We pray for our persecutors. We ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, to open their hearts to the true hope. Deal with those issues, Lord, that have caused them to become so antagonistic against your gospel and your people. Bind the work of Satan around their life. And Lord, in the midst of all of it, take care of us, even as the Lord's model prayers promised. So we give, we give you this evening, Lord, and, and the things that we talk about sweeten our heart, please. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.